Good morning, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotion. We're continuing through this season of Advent to turn to various readings that relate to the uh, return of Jesus and the first coming of Jesus. And today we're starting to turn towards more Christmas-oriented passages. And today we'll be in the genealogy of Jesus as um, spoken about in Matthew chapter 1. There's a lot of names there, so we're going to skip a few, but we're going to be in Matthew 1, 1 through 16, where we read this. This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab. Amminadab was the father of Nation. Nation was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Skipping down. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dave, um, I, you know, I've talked about this uh, genealogy in a, a past sermon, but I think one of the uh, amazing things about this genealogy is it's not kind of a, there are certain elements of that you could be really proud of as a family tree, but there are certain elements that are included here that are really kind of scandalous in some ways, it can seem kind of surprising. You would seem, think that you would highlight the the really golden children, right? And, and, and skip the black sheep. And this is a selective genealogy. So why, in, in when you're choosing a genealogy, why does it have so many of the negative examples of, you know, the bad seeds in your family? And yet that's exactly what Matthew does, includes, includes a lot. Even some of the good ones have a lot of bad history. Like right in the beginning, Abraham, uh, people who have like even a cursory familiar, familiarity with the Bible know that Abraham told some uh, interesting deceptions uh, to protect himself uh, and uh, Isaac seems to follow suit in carrying on some of those deceptions. And it almost seems like it escalates until the point it gets to Jacob, who's like even known as Jacob the deceiver. His, his, his name almost becomes synonymous with scheming and lying. And then uh, uh, Jacob's uh, son, Judah, who's, you know, carrying on the family name. Uh, the incident here is mentioned with, with Tamar and that's like uh, an incident that you can read about yourself, but it's probably a little bit too risque for a Sunday morning or, or a daily Devo morning, but you can read about their history there. And then, uh, you know, we get to King David at the end of, or, you know, the end of that section of reading, which mentions Solomon as their child through Bathsheba. Bathsheba had been the wife of Uriah the Hittite, really scandalous situation where David basically is responsible. He's responsible for giving the order to um, have Uriah killed so that he can disguise the fact that uh, Uriah's wife Bathsheba is already pregnant with Solomon. This is the kind of family tree that we're talking about that, that's listed out here. And then Mary's situation at the end, uh, she actually has no guilt in this. It's, uh, you know, this is a, but from the outside looking in, you have a an unwed teen. You have uh, Jesus being born out of wedlock, in essence, or you know, being conceived out of wedlock, and this would have been scandalous in in their generation, uh, uh, even as it's you know still somewhat scandalous, not nearly so much today. And one of the encouragements I take out of this is how how God can make a beautiful house out of crooked lumber, 
um, that he can take this kind of family tree, this kind of twisted family tree and make something wonderful with that. And I find that especially encouraging because I feel like I my, my family tree is kind of uh, crooked lumber, twisted timber. And, you know, I think about some people in my family and, and I, even when I became a, a believer, I, I came from a history of feeling like I was so much of an outsider. And some of that was for good reasons. Like, you know, my mom was an immigrant and um, really was trying to uh, recognize that accumulating wealth through uh, houses uh, was was really a good way to accumulate wealth. And so we always ended up living in neighborhoods where we were very much on the poor side of the economic curve. And so it gave us great opportunities for schooling. But on the other hand, socially, it meant I never fit in, not just like kind of the racial and cultural part of it, but just economically. Other kids would be going to the Cape for the summer or, you know, going to summer camps or you know, learning how to ski. And like, these are things that just weren't part of my, my background or, or talking about golfing and things like that. And that just felt really out of place. Or, you know, I've shared this experience before too, about um, just uh, the fact that we used to do show and tell uh, in school. I, I know that people have kind of gotten away from that uh, for some of the reasons that I experienced, because after Christmas, everyone would show off like their favorite Christmas gifts and always felt really out of place then when others, like these other kids would talk about what they got versus what I got. So I felt really kind of ashamed of my family for some, for some valid reasons and some very invalid reasons. And so when I became a believer, this promise of being welcomed into a new family was really important. But then also this idea that, that uh, when we come to Christ, that the old is gone, the new has come. There is this renewal, this, that the fact that God can make, you know, beautiful things out of dust that can make beautiful things. He's made us out of the dust. And so this has been a great encouragement to me. And it's especially encouraging now that I go back and I see that even Jesus's family tree, the Messiah himself, Jesus's family tree is filled with so many broken individuals. And, and even some of the great ones like King David, like King David is kind of like the shining example in this story. And even him, like I encourage people, if you want to read some of the negative side of David, besides like the Bathsheba incident, Read uh, David's parting words to his son, Solomon, the thing that he passes down. It's almost like a mafia hit list of all these people that David promised not to hurt, that he would not do something against them while he was alive. He says to Solomon, in essence, but that doesn't apply to you. You know, don't let this guy's head go into the grave with gray hair is what he says about a number of people. And so it just, I'm very encouraged that our hero is not human beings because we're all flawed. But Jesus is the hero that that God brings out of this kind of broken uh, soup of, of of human mess, and and I feel like I come out of that. So I find it very encouraging to see that even the Messiah uh, comes out of that. And I, I this is a message I would love for people to have during this Christmas season when we can feel disconnected from family or not have a family or feel very ashamed of our families to remember that God has a family and a future for you that is more than just what you have come from. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage. You know, I, I've heard you preach many times out of, you know, just over all the years we've been together, many times out of this passage. And I feel like each time more interesting than the last. Um, and I, I really, I love this passage. Uh, when I first became Christian, like almost everybody, you know, I, I, I read the Gospels all the time and especially read Matthew. Um, but this section I'd skip because, you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay, give me to the, give me to the action. Let's talk about Jesus. 
Um, but over time, I've come to appreciate so many more of these stories that are kind of embedded in here that people in, in Matthew's generation would have known, but which we don't. Uh, and so that's where, you know, as you learn them, and I feel like this is where some of your sermons have been so great, as you learn some of these stories, you're like, wow, I can't believe that's in there. Um, and, and I think that uh, it's interesting to notice that these are actually not all the generations, mm-hmm. right? It, it, there's, they've skipped a bunch. And, and so I'm thinking if I'm going to curate a list, I'm going to s- just select the good ones, you know, like, eh, I mean, we're not going to talk about that one. Um, but, uh, but in fact, it seems that Matthew has almost deliberately selected some of the bad ones. And uh, in order, I think in order to make a point, and I think the point you made from it today is absolutely right. So true, you know, that, that, hey, regardless of what you've come from, regardless of kind of your, your ancestry or whatever, where I think some of us tend to wallow in shame or feel less than or disqualified, man, don't, that's just, that's not the story. God can do something incredible with your life despite all that. True. I actually feel like the application can go even further than that. Because I think beyond just our ancestors, a lot of us look at our, just parts of our own past. Right, parts of our own lives that we'd rather not talk about. And yet, interestingly enough, it, the reason that a lot of these stories come up is what we, we saw something of God's amazing grace in each of these stories, all right? And, and that God was able to work despite human sin. And in fact, bring, and this is, I think, the truly amazing thing about God, bring blessing out of something bad. And the, the reality is, it's not just your ancestry. God can do that with every part of our lives. And so all the parts of my past that I, I'm kind of embarrassed about, if I want to tell you about the past, I'll tell you, I'm going to, you know, curate it. I'll choose the good stories. But actually, I, I think maybe the invitation is to share some of the bad stories because the truth is, I, you know, my kids, in fact, I've got now sort of adulting, you know, the kind of the young adult children who are asking really different kinds of questions of me than they used to in the past. Uh, really rich, meaningful, spiritual kind of questions. And it's fascinating to me how many of those questions end up involving a story from my past that isn't something I'd want to advertise or put on a billboard. But that was the time when God did this thing in me, or God taught me that lesson, or God shaped me in this way, or God led me to this person. Whatever it was, so many of them come out of those stories. Uh, And so I feel like the first thing I'd want people to take from this is that the negative stuff in your past is actually the very things that God can use. Most people, the, the biggest ministry that they're going to have to other people is going to correlate to the place where they were the most broken and most hurting and found healing, right? And so if you're not willing to talk about that time or that that way that you failed and you needed God's amazing grace, you needed God's redeeming power, if you're not going to talk about that, then you're not going to be able to actually redeem the, this awful spirit you had for good. So, First thing I think is just don't not to be embarrassed of our own past, but to just own it and claim it because God can redeem all things. And the gospel is not about us, just like it's not about David, as the point you made. It's not about me either. It's always the story is always about Jesus, always, right? And and so Jesus is the hero of the story. That's the reality here. So that's the, the first thing I'd say. The second thing I'd say is, you know, a lot of people are about to be with all of their family for uh, uh, Christmas. And I think that can bring up a lot of really beautiful and wonderful memories and good things. It also can bring us 
back to some really painful memories and, and some bad things. And in fact, I mean, recapitulate some of those bad me memories by, by reliving them, you know, kind of that dredges it up. You're like, Oh goodness, that's right. I've, you know, here, here's that same old interaction again, that, uh, that we tried to forget about the rest of the year. And, and I think it's easy for us, I think in those moments to, to just give in to some of the old ways we responded to that, be angry and be bitter and be self-centered, be entitled, be whatever it is. And, and to be able to say, hey, these the stories that of God's grace came out of some of the brokenness, I'm going to guess that this is true for almost all of us, that some of the parts of, of who you are are built. And, and, and be, you know, the, some of the best parts of who you are exist because of some of those painful things, those, those broken people that God put you in a relationship with. And that God actually brought beautiful fruit out of some maybe not as beautiful seeds. And I think is, is you can be able to, to be in that situation and say, hey, here's that person who hurts me in this way and just has that, that kind of chronically negative pattern. Instead of being bitter about it again, be able to turn that into Thanksgiving and say, wow, God, that, that ha was a painful thing that then you have developed in, in me something really beautiful out of that I'm actually thankful for, uh, you know, a, a perseverance, a patience, an empathy, you know, uh, a wisdom, a compassion, whatever it is, that God can use those broken things in our past and actually bring beautiful things out of it. And so instead of being angry about it again, and God, why is this still happening? Say, God, hey, thank you for, thank you for your redemption. that You brought good out of these bad things. Hmm. Yeah, that's like Romans 8, that, uh, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. doesn't say all things are good. can be even really bad things, but we know that even there, God's working for our good. Dave, right. I'm wondering if you would uh, pray that reality for us, pray this blessing upon us. Of course, let's pray together. God, you can do miracles. I got one of the most incredible miracles that you keep doing and you do even in our own lives is turning what people may have intended for evil into something beautiful, into something good. God, I pray that we would be able to truly celebrate your birth and life in us this Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining us, and I look forward to joining you again tomorrow. Go in peace.